Welcome to the 26th episode of the official SPGAN podcast, hosted by Dr. Alex Nicely. Good afternoon, good evening, good morning, wherever and whenever you are. I'm in Kermint in Hungary, and the production team, Selma Ertel and Manuel Schuster, are in Graz, Austria. And today's interviewee, Dr. Anamochit Pavic, is in Zagreb, Croatia. Dr. Pavic is a hollow viscous person. <laughs> um, speaking as a liver man, it's to be regretted. She's given our community a lot, and if she'd only chosen to go the path of the Lord, well, who knows? But finishing her um, internship, she entered a scientific novice sort of residency at a referral center for pediatric gastroenterology there in Zagreb. I don't know what caught her on pediatric gastroenterology during her first year, but it caught her, and she caught it, and she's held on to it ever since. She's now a pediatrician, a pediatric GI person in Zagreb at the Children's Hospital. And as I say, her principal interest is in inflammatory bowel disease and in functional bowel disease. And oddly enough, her CV includes a certificate in the uses of hypnotherapy. Um, I withdraw the oddly enough, maybe for functional bowel disease, it's the only way to go. But it did catch my eye. Anna, welcome. Hi. Hi to everyone who is listening this broadcast. Let's start with your first big article, which I think was put together when you were just emerging from that research fellowship. It's the Impact 3 questionnaire. Yes. The validation of that study in Croatian children, seeing whether or not a an international uh, scoring system for inflammatory bowel disease patients worked in Croatia. Tell us what you found. Well, this is uh, this research was the part of the PhD uh, research of colleague who is the first author of this article, and we worked together uh, on uh, his research. And what we found, we just wanted to see if this uh, uh, very valid measure of uh, of health-related quality of life could be applied to our patients because of the cross-cultural adaptation and the, those things that uh, are different maybe from the other countries and the adolescents and children. So so we wanted to see how it can be applied to our patients because we just started to realize that we have increasing incidence of uh, patients with inflammatory bowel disease and uh, that there is a lack of this kind of uh, data. So that was the, the first idea of uh, gathering this type of the research. So what we found, we found that uh, the IMPACT3 questionnaire uh, has a very good correlation with the, uh, with the scoring. We compared it with the standardized ped, uh, pediatric quality of light, uh, life already known questionnaire, and uh, it came with good scores. And uh, the conclusion was that we could easily apply to our patients and to follow them uh, during the follow-up uh, of those patients uh, in our clinic. I got you. Where was that scoring system originally developed? I've forgotten. Uh, well, I think it was in America. Ah, uh, well, there are a lot of differences yeah. between North American cultural habits and Croatian cultural habits. Croatians have such a better life, let me tell you. You come, you come from down, uh, down on the seacoast, don't you? 
Yes. Ah, where everybody in the world wants to spend vacation and she was born. Uh, it's just unfair is all I can say. Anyhow, <laughs> what kinds of differences did you anticipate finding that you didn't find? Well, uh, we uh, we have really good correlation in all those five uh, topics that we uh, wanted to cover. That what was included with uh, with emotional, with uh, uh, physical health, with uh, psychosocial health, and with uh, uh, with the bowel movement. So uh, this responded very well. Uh, the only concern was that we didn't have maybe enough uh, number of the patients, but we also have to relate that uh, almost 50% of the patients uh, that were diagnosed in our clinics uh, were included in this type of the research. So uh, has there been an impact four score or is impact three still state of the art? Impact three is still state of the art. And All the relevance. Go on, go on. All the relevant studies that are currently being uh, in progress uh, now, uh, they're still, they are still using the IMPACT-3 questionnaire. That was another thing that I wanted to touch on. It's still in use. Yes. And how has it worked out for you in the 10 years since publication? Are there refinements that you think could be made, should be made? Or is it still, as it is, good enough? I think that it's still good enough, and uh, but I think that we still lack in applying this type of the questionnaires in our daily clinical work, because I uh, think that sometimes we don't have enough time to uh, validate this type of the of the uh, of the questionnaires. So I think that we should be more persistent of applying this type of the questionnaires in daily practice. Now, that's something you're going to have to take up, is beating on your colleagues and beating on your juniors to do the needful. Yes. But <laughs> maybe it's time for a 10-year follow-up study saying, we've used it, and this is how it works, and this is how we use it outside a study in daily clinical practice. practice. And, okay. That is a good idea. Oh, well. <laughs> good ideas are easy. <laughs> Hard work is not. <laughs> Let's move on to your next publication, which was uh, a summary of what it was like to treat inflammatory bowel disease patients in a referral center in Croatia. Um, I think you have three large pediatric gastroenterolic centers, two in Zagreb? Yes, and one and in Rijeka. One in Rijeka. I avoided attempting to pronounce that town's name <laughs> until I'd heard you say it. Um, <laughs> oh, these alphabets. <laughs> um, so... Tell us about what you studied and what you found in examining that set of patients. Well, this was my first of the biggest, I would say, articles that I've done as the young fellow. And uh, I was proud of this article because uh, for the first time we uh, collected the data, although it was collected retrospectively, uh, about the patients of, uh, with inflammatory bowel disease in uh, Croatia. Up to, the, uh, up to that article in 2014, only data were available from the adult population. So uh, this was a very huge uh, progress of my team. It's also happened uh, concordantly when the Eurokids IBD register was uh, was starting with the with the data and uh, after my article in uh, two years we started with the national register of our patients the other colleague Excellent. did the PhD thesis of uh, uh, on this uh, topic so now we are proud that we have national register that still is go goes on and we have valuable data of our patients from that register what have you mined from that registry so far? 
Well, we uh, calculated the incidence of the uh, of the Crohn disease and ulcerative colitis in Croatia, and we came with the conclusion that we also have this trend that is happening across uh, Europe, uh, called north-south uh, gradient, where we ex uh, see that there is a high uh, incidence in the northern part of the Croatia, uh, comparing to the south parts of the of the Croatia. Even uh, within one country? Um... Even without one country, that is very interesting, that we have north-south gradient. And uh, we tried that to explain that we are very, uh, we are very uh, geographically very interested country, because in the northern parts it's like more being to the uh, to attached to the northern part of the Europe, and uh, the coast and the south of our country is more related to the Mediterranean uh, countries of the Europe. So that is what is something geographically very, very interesting of our country. Well, geography is one thing, but what aspect of geography, what aspect of daily life and perhaps of food choices might underlie that? It's nothing like, so So the difference between buckwheat eaters and potato eaters, that's a west to east gradient. Yes. Um, but there's also, or the olive oil versus butter gradient, which we see between uh, the south of France and the top. Yes, and also what, I will what, refer to the sun. Ah, okay, of course. We have more, more sunny days in the south of the Croatian than in the northern part of our countries. And uh, that's being the question of the vitamin D. Well, let's get back to the most important thing in life for a pediatric gastroenterologist, which is eating. What are the differences in the diet, in the food choices? Well, that is also something that we are trying to conduct research on that. But as we can tell that there is a difference in eating habits uh, in the northern parts and in the southern parts. Uh, as you said, we are uh, the northern parts are more prone to the influence of the Germany and the Austrian countries and this mm -hmm. type of the uh, diet, while the uh, south part of the Croatia are more uh, influenced with the Mediterranean, uh, Mediterranean diet, using olive oil, fish, vegetables, including greens, and this type of the of the diet, which means in a in a modern term like more healthier food than than the mm. than those eating on the northern. But we also see that in the even uh, though we have these uh, differences, that there is still influence of the I would say westernized diet also in Mediterranean part of our country. So it's becoming more uh, popular than it was before. Because it's more uh, approachable and more, uh, it's more now you can reach it more easier than before. Rather as white bread was an item of prestige yes. in some countries. And yeah, well, if you, I think you have to choose your reviewers for the upcoming article very carefully. Because if you send a manuscript that proves that schnitzel is a risk factor for inflammatory bowel disease. I think that the German and Austrian reviewers will just trample all over that. And put well, the X on it. <laughs> <laughs> you got it. So you, that is an accomplishment indeed, to set up the registry and to mine it and to find that some trends track those in other countries. Are there trends that don't track other countries? Are there differences? Well, uh, not so much. So with the incidence and the phenotype of the disease that we see in our patients, it's much more uh, similar to the Western part of the of the Europe. So we are now with this trends, we are similar to the to the Western part of the Europe, not in the other things. I would include economics and similar. But with this type of the of the trends, we are very similar to the Western part. 
certainly facilitates taking part in multi-institution studies, at least from Europe. Let's turn now to the third article that you asked that we would think about today, and that is nutritional status and food intake in pediatric patients very significantly. Yes, that was the, uh, the, the article that I've done with my two younger colleagues. And it was also the part of my PhD thesis because uh, my PhD thesis refers to the self-imposed elimination diets uh, with newly diagnosed patients of inflammatory bowel disease. So uh, when I tried to, to collect the patients for my PhD research, then we started to involve the control groups and all the newly diagnosed uh, IBD patients. So that was like the first article that and the results that we have. And uh, it was one of the kind because for the first time we had uh, the, the report of uh, what does uh, newly diagnosed patients with IBD eat at the time of the diagnosis. And uh, we could compare that with the control group. Uh, the differences that we that we uh, found that there is uh, that there was a, a, a lower intake of all macronutrients and uh, some of the micronutrients in the patients with ulcerative colitis, and for the uh, patients with Crohn disease, we find it only for the animal uh, proteins and uh, calcium. The difference was uh, seen because there are not so many this type of articles uh, at the point of time when this article was published, so we could not compare it with the relevant studies because this was the, the one of the kind at that time uh, our, uh, research. And stopping you here, stopping you here. So what you're saying, I think, is that people had been monitoring diet in patients who had been diagnosed, but not at the time of diagnosis. Yes. So that you in you come with a diagnosis and you're assigned a diagnosis and then you were talking about self-imposed elimination diets in which people say, I'm going to try to get rid of this and see if it helps, try to get rid of that and see if it helps. And it's no longer the baseline in which these kids developed inflammatory bowel disease. And yours was one of the first studies or the first study to grab those data when the patient presented, yes? Yes, yes. That's well, that's right. an accomplishment. That's an accomplishment. That was accomplished because after that, we followed those patients for one year and tried to see from that, uh, in that one year, did they start any of the self-imposed elimination diet? Aha. Uh -huh. That is the article that is now being submitted and we will see it's going to be accepted for the, for the publication. Oh, don't tease. Don't t tell us what you found. <laughs> we found that uh, uh, the the fifty percent uh, of the almost fifty percent of the patients try to uh, with some of the self-imposed elimination diets during the one year of the follow-up of the after we diagnosed the the disease. But if I if I've understood your article correctly, even before they sought medical attention even before they had an IBD diagnosis. They had self-modified their diets to the point of decreasing intakes of one set of foods or another set of foods. I, I'm thinking now of the, the fructose intolerant children who don't care for sweets. Something makes them feel bad, they change their diet on their own, even before a diagnosis ever is achieved. D Ha uh, your controls now, your controls were age-matched patients? Yes. Age and gender-matched patients, yes. of course. Okay. 
And those kids were eating like nobody's business, eating like a house of fire. Yes. And the, the IBD patients, were they, were they picky eaters? Did they? Tell me more. Well, those patients uh, tend to decrease the intake of the, of the uh, different type of the foods. Sometimes they are advised from the, the primary care doctors if they have diarrhea or uh, stomach pain. They try, let's say, let's do a little bit more easier diet to see if the symptoms will improve. And right, that's the right. reasons why they start with this, with this type of delimation diet. And I would like to say that milk and dairy products are the most common that they uh, choose to, uh, to exclude. Uh, because they usually tend to uh, connect the diarrhea with the consumption of the of the milk, and we know that that could be a risky situation because because that uh, could influence on the intake of the calcium and vitamin D in the patients who are uh, or children who are in the uh, growth uh, period of his of her his or her life. Yes, and that's exactly what you found, isn't it? Yes. That these kids these kids were short and skinny. Yes. Okay. And As we all know that the patients at the diagnosis uh, are uh, malnu uh, malnutritioned. Are malnourished indeed, yeah. Yes. So, again, a lovely accomplishment. And have other researchers identified similar findings? Yes. Yes, it, it's happening uh, now. As I see in the in the literature, there are some of the of the researchers that uh, already published the data and that are similar to ours, and uh, it's coming more uh, uh, matter of interest because the diet is one of the things that where the patients feel that they can influence, and somehow on that way that can influence on the their disease. Let's. All right, now you're giving a talk to a to a cluster of general pediatricians put yourself in that position and you're saying um when are you doing your growth charts for your kids are they starting to fall off the growth charts then here's something to think about get them to us faster is that a, is that a follow-up message a take-home message i would say that is the, the correct message because when you especially with the Crohn disease because with ulcerative colitis you will have the blood in the stool and that they, they will rush to the emergency department and uh, oh, because yeah. of those symptoms but Crohn disease is a, is a sneaky disease and it can last for a couple of years that we are uh, that we need to be uh, to diagnose this type of the patient so if you follow your patient uh, regularly and if you see that there is something happening especially before the puberty or if the, the puberty is delayed please delayed. consider this this type of the disease delayed puberty already marks substantial malnutrition yeah. doesn't it it is so what you've got then is uh, <laughs> you've got just get up out of bed and go to school. I don't care if your stomach hurts. <laughs> and, and this is not a restaurant. We don't feed everybody in this family something different. Eat or just go hungry. And, oh, those poor kids. <laughs> well, well, Sometimes it happens with me and my children, <laughs> my, my kid. <laughs> and your child. Well, okay. Um, I have really enjoyed this chat, and I've taken away from it information that I didn't have because again uh, I only approach the the hollow viscera with gun and camera uh, they're not they're just not as I said they're just not the fields of the Lord in which I play with the liver but <laughs> but you've you've made oh we never talked about the hypnotherapy give us two words about the hypnotherapy why did you want to take that course 
Well, uh, as uh, after I become a pediatrician and started to work in my outpatient clinic, I realized that I see this type of the patients with the functional uh, GI disease uh, very uh -huh. often, and I try to see what's the what's the way I can help them because uh, none of those recommendations that we had before was not working. And then I uh, met with this area of uh, gut hypnotherapy. And uh, in that same time, I went to London because I went to the Great Ormond Street Hospital for uh, motility education. And then I saw that there are lots of adult clinics for this type of the help. And uh, and the literature showed that, especially in the Netherlands, uh, the, the colleagues from the Netherlands are very involved in this type of the of the help and that they have a good results. And that's how I become very interested in this type of, uh, of therapy to provide with uh, my patients. I have only two questions for follow-up, and that is, are you using it in Croatia? Yes, I'm using it with now with my patients, especially with IBS and functional abdominal pain. And second question for follow-up, is a manuscript in preparation? Not yet, because we are now uh, planning to start the, the internet application so we can go with the online. COVID showed us that we need to be more prepared for this type of the situations and we could not provide uh, very good health care during the COVID. And that's why I uh, considered doing this online. And there are already published articles on this topic. So mine will be related to my experience, probably. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you. At this point, we generally ask folks for something to point out that although ESPGAN is an international body, and ESPGAN's work is, of course, international, everyone has a homeland. Everyone has something that reminds them of where they grew up, how they were brought up, and often that can be evoked by a song. Have you chosen a song for us to hear? Well, there is a very special song. It's from an old singer in Croatia. She's very famous and uh, I admire her a lot, but it's maybe a little bit sad song, but it's uh, singing about the uh, youth and uh, love and uh, with not so happy ending. Oh my, as I approach the age of 70, I can completely understand why she's singing that. <laughs> But she has a great voice. You, 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 although it's on a Croatian language, you will uh, feel the emotions that she has uh, during this song. We look forward to hearing it. Jedna mladost, jedan svijet nade, raste tiho u srcu tvoj. Svijet grade s malo prave istine u tom Pričaju ti priče te i svaka ima svoj sretan kraj Al prešućuju da taj svijet grade baš tvoj Jedna mladost, jedan san sreće, ali do nje još dalek dug. I dok srce na svoj put kreće, u taj svijet odsvao i žut, odjednom će... 
If you would like to listen to the song in full length, please check out our Espigan playlist. That was lovely. Thank you so much again. Thank you. Thank you all for having me. And I just want to say hi to all the young Esguen uh, community across the Europe and across the world.